Hey guys, this is Joe. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. What's up, guys? It's Eric. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Ghosts. They're real. They're here. And someone's got to stop them. It's a job for professionals. It's a job for the Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They're the best. Oh. The brave. The only. Ghostbusters, coming to save the world this summer. We're ready to believe you. Who you gonna call? Rated PG. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Nothing, Eric. Nothing. Excited to move into the... Uh here the halloween season we got going on here with the uh halloween themed movies it's exciting that's right that's right if you're listening to this and you're expecting another movie well i mean you would have seen the title and downloaded it anyway so that probably wouldn't be the case but we had some episodes banked up but joe's big on keeping things current especially when it comes to holidays so for the month of october we're going to try to we have some other episodes that are going to be coming down the road we have uh some some october halloween themed episodes that we kind of want to get in on time so we're starting that now. Yes. And then come November, we'll be uh, uploading the other episodes that we had kind of stashed away. And then we'll move into the Christmas ones and those will be current again. Right. Right. So sooner or later, now that we have all the IT issues worked out, we'll be back on a, on a schedule, a normal schedule. But yeah, it'll be good to have some, some October themed episodes in uh, during the Halloween season. So it's funny. Since the beginning of the podcast, I was looking forward to the actual, to the holiday themed episodes when I went, when I, how there's, I think Halloween and Christmas, there's such like, I watch them anyways. So it's just fun to kind of have a reason to like kind of analyze them a little bit more. Yeah. As, as people will find out with my, my picks during the month of October, including this one, I'm not like a traditional Halloween film guy, partially because as we've talked about in other episodes, not a big scary movie guy, like scary movie. I'm not a big horror movie guy, I should say, not the comedy movies. Although I'm not a big scary movie guy either. But, um, but I tried to. I have a few that are that are Halloween movies, and they're just not the most terrifying thing in the world. So I can watch them and not be a baby about it, and and I can enjoy them more than anything. But um, are you watching any? Before we get into the movie, are you watching anything else good? Or I mean, to, I'm or? just. I'm actually going through. Uh, Friday Night Lights again, so I'm rewatching that. Which That's is, a great fall show too. It is, and we've talked about this in the past. Like it's, it's, it's. I must re. I've binged this show a few times now, but it was on recently on. I think the uh, the E Entertainment, um, the net that network. They had like the whole marathon, and I watched yep. episodes here and there. And after watching a little, watching some episodes out of order, I was like, I really just want to watch this from start to finish again. So that's why I've been kind of. That show is so good. And uh, the movie is too. I think the movie is like the most underrated, one of the most underrated sports movies uh, there is. I know, I know, it gets a decent amount of credit, but I think the movie is one of my favorite sports movies. Oh, absolutely. Ever. And the show, thank it as a justice. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, and that's rare that you would have a, a a good good movie and then a good show, and yeah, they didn't ruin it. So, um, Bree and I the other day, we've been trying to do this forever. I had already seen it. But for, for a couple of years, we've been trying to watch the movie uh, Zodiac. And I'd already seen it. But Brie, like in the past few years, she got into true crime through like podcasts or whatever. And so I was like, oh, we have to watch Zodiac. And we bought the DVD. 
I think it was on Netflix or something like years ago when we watched like a half hour of it and we were like, Oh, we'll watch it tomorrow. And then we forgot. And then like the week after it was gone. So we bought the DVD still didn't finish it. And then the other day I was like, you know what we're watching? I think it was Sunday. I was like, we're watching Zodiac. We, we have to get it done. Cause it came up on another podcast. And, um, so we went home and watched that. She loved it. I like it too. I really like that movie. And then uh, she's trying to get me into on Netflix. Have you ever heard of or seen the TV show Mindhunter on Netflix? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's she's been trying to get me to do that for a while, but I'm like super stubborn, and I just I don't like having shows or movies like shoved in my face. If I'm, I have to be into it, you know what I mean. Yep. But so we finally watched a couple of episodes the other day, and I have to say I like it so far. I won't I won't tell her that yet. But I, I do like it so far, so that that's good. That's what we're watching now. Only a couple episodes in, but how many seasons did that go? Do you know? I, it has two seasons so far. I think I think there is a third season that's gonna happen. I think, but so far it has two. I think. Oh, you know what else I watched too? Um, I wa- I've been watching Ted Lasso. Have you heard of that? No. Bill Lawrence's new show. Um, uh, the guy who did Scrubs, based oh, okay. on the I believe it was an SNL sketch about uh jason sudeikis is the ted lasso character he's this okay. like, football soccer coach okay. um and it might be the best feel-good show i've seen in a while like it's one of those it's one of those series where despite things going wrong it always has like this uplifting attitude throughout the entire thing nice it's it's a great it's on apple tv unfortunately so it's like a really niche audience right now but it's a really really good show the uh, the other thing about Mindhunter is uh, David Fincher is behind it. Yes, that's so. That's a you know. That's, all, I, that's I think that's why. <laughs> yes, that's that's why I've heard, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So, and then lastly, unfortunately, I haven't been watching for the past few days at least hockey because hockey is over. Sad face. Yeah. Um, congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's a that's a tough, that's a tough cup to win, man. Like. They've been locked in. I mean, not the, the not like they've been in prison. They've been in like really nice hotel rooms or whatever. But not seeing their family, not seeing whatever. So they earned it. Congratulations to them. Um, so anyway, today this is my first October pick. We're going to be watching the 1984 comedy classic Ghostbusters. I know it's not. I don't know. I don't know. It's not really a Halloween movie, I guess. But it's got ghosts in it, and for me, that's a Halloween movie. So. Oh yeah, I, I guess it's a Halloween film for sure. Yeah, and I saw it on some lists of like, you know, top Halloween movies or whatever. So, so there, take it if you don't if you don't like it, too bad. It's our podcast. This is the best so. way to ease into the Halloween. We're still, yeah. we're still in September right now, so this is the best way to ease yeah. into it. Yeah. So, and then we're drinking. The we'll put you'll see it when that we put the can art up and everything with the movie. But we're drinking something strange double something I should say something strange three double IPA from Pontoon Brewing. And it, Joe's drinking it now. I had mine watching it earlier. It is very good, I think. Highly recommended. Um, uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, Pontoon Brewing is out of Georgia, so I don't really know. I got it at um, RMA Beer and Wine in Amesbury, as always. But So I don't know how they got all the way up here to, to Amesbury, Massachusetts, but I'm glad they did because it's, yeah, I it's gotta, delicious. I got to say, Eric, another with the uh, pick because the cover off of this is just perfect. It's up- yeah. It's one of the better movie beer pairings that we've had for sure. Yeah. It's very good. So, so I kind of said why I 
I picked Ghostbusters. Like I said, I'm not a Halloween guy for the most part, but this is as this is kind of my speed of Halloween. I love uh, I love the cast. Obviously, I love Bill Murray, love Dan Aykroyd, um, love Harold Ramis, uh, Ramis, and secret. I'm gonna this is gonna keep coming up, but seventh player of this film to me is Rick Moranis. He's like my favorite part. Uh, rewatching it, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said that when I was, you know. 10 watching it because it's not really aimed at that that john that type of person but i love rick moranis in this film so what's your memory of ghostbusters what do you think of what you think of ghostbusters i mean i watched as a kid with my my dad all the time so that's my memory but i'll tell you right now i always thought them sliding down the pole was the height of luxury as a kid so like i wouldn't have made it in life if i didn't have a pole in my house to slide down to like easily accessible options and downstairs so that doesn't change i still feel that way i want to pull my house and I also loved, as a kid, the giant state puffed marshmallow man. Yeah, not much has changed. <laughs> I had kind of a similar thing. I I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, and I was born right after it came out, so it was kind of it wasn't one that I really grew up with, really, except for the fact that just like you said, my dad really liked this one, so I remember watching it with him. And I think it's <clears throat> I think it's just a generational thing. Like I grew up and or we grew up with you know Chris Farley, David Spade, Adam Sandler our fathers and our parents grew up with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, you know, that whole, yeah. that whole group of, of the SNL uh, cast. The, the weird thing though, is that, and this will probably come up a few times too, for a movie that I haven't seen that much, couldn't really remember much about other than, like you said, a few scenes. I knew like, you know, the car, the state pop marshmallow man, the ghostbuster characters and franchise were kind of, always present in my childhood probably from the cartoon i remember ben my brother and i went as ghostbusters halloween one year we had like all the toys and the props but and we probably looked like ghostbusters super fans but we we really weren't we were far from it i um i think that i was wondering if i was to quiz most of my friends i feel like or just people our age i think a lot of people will say that they remember this film but what they really remember is kind of the Ghostbusters brand, if that makes sense, like the the marketing and, and everything yes. like that. I actually, than... I actually brought a huge chunk of that in a second <laughs> in the stats section, but I totally agree with you. It's, it's almost become a, it's, it's a brand now, just like Back to the Future was when we talked about that. Yeah, they know the song. They know yeah. like the stars of the movies. They know like the the backpacks and, the, and the, they know that they're in the firehouse, like you said, the, the fire pole and everything like that. But I wonder how many people around our age could tell you the like just a general overview of this plot other than oh there are these guys that hunt ghosts you know what i mean because i'll be the first to admit i didn't i i've seen this movie a a number of times and watching it re-watching it i was like i don't remember a lot of this you know yeah neither did i like i forgot how little of the film ernie hudson is actually in so like this was like this was like kind of like something that i was watching it now for the first time in a while i'm like wow like for someone who i thought was a major character growing up like and it's it's he clearly is not like in it very long (laughs) And did you see the whole story behind that or the background story behind that? I did not. So I guess the reason for that is he was supposed to be, that character was supposed to be, um, like Winston was supposed to be a huge part of the movie, but they had Eddie Murphy as the as the goal for that. And I don't remember if they had him and then he had to back out. I think that's what it was. I think that he agreed to do it, but then something fell through. But because they had to kind of scramble at the last minute to re- to replace and they had to rewrite the script and take out a lot of Winston's role 
in the film. He was, I think he was supposed to be right from the jump. One of the, one of the main, it wasn't supposed to be like a late, a late pickup. It was supposed to be right from the jump. He's just one of the guys. Um, and I, and I, before I even read that, I had that as something that I, I didn't really like about the film. It just felt like watching it. I was like, why did they even bring him in? It's right. You know? So, but we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that later. Do you have um, anything as far as stats, like finance wise? I know this movie made a bajillion dollars. So I do. So, uh, so Ghostbusters came out on June 8th, 1984, had a budget of 25 to $30 million, um, making 296.4 million in the box office. It was directed by Ivan Reitman. His son, Jason, is actually directing the new Ghostbusters film coming out next that. year. Yep. Um, and it was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. This film spawns, like you just talked about, a whole lot of merchandise and products from comics to toys, video games, um, and animated series and so forth. And as you know, it has a sequel. But what you may not know is that it also has a game that continues this story. Uh, the Ghostbusters game came out in 2009 and was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, amongst other, a couple of other writers. And the entire principal cast came back to lend their voices, Dan Aykroyd, Bill, Mor- Bill Murray, Hal Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. And it is considered canon to the film series. So if anyone ever wants to continue the story, the video game is the way to do that, which is really cool. I love stuff like that. Um, like you said, how the whole cast came back. I like, and that, that seems to be like an SNL thing, is that I like when, you know, Bill, people like Bill Murray and maybe not so much Dan Aykroyd, but... Bill Murray could say no to whatever he wants to say no to, but I love that his friends came out basically like his friends came out with a video game and they were like, Bill, we do the voice. He's like, of course I do the voice. You know what I mean? And you see that with Adam Sandler and all of his friends, like they, they just, they have their, their, their boys and their girls or whatever. And they, they stick together. I love stuff like that. Me too. And like, especially with something like this, where you hear about like the drama between Murray and like Ramis and all that in the past, but like still, with this game, they still all agree. This, this, this drum was already happening at this point. So, like, they all agreed to do this game, though. So, it's like it is the closest thing to a continuation of the story by the actual original creators. I didn't I didn't write down – I could have this wrong, but I think it was Dan Aykroyd that said this. But I guess Bill Murray is kind of known for having quite the temper. And uh, they said that on set, they called it the Murricane. I think it was the Murricane. It was some, some play on his name, and I think it was the Murricane. Like, if he got in a bad mood or – whatever he was not someone that you wanted to be around so finance did we say it made this movie made like, oh, made a ton uh, yeah the budget was between 25 and 30 million and it ended up making almost 300 million yeah so pretty pretty freaking good so yeah. um critically it maybe even did better than that it's uh 7.8 out of 10 on imdb 97 percent on rotten tomatoes three and a half stars from roger ebert <clears throat> um it's number 47 on the Rotten Tomatoes, 150 greatest comedies of all time. It was nominated for two Academy Awards. One of these is fair. The other one's absolutely ridiculous in my mind. So best original song, 100% fair. The Ghostbusters theme song is iconic. People remember the song more than they remember the movie. It lost to Stevie Wonder's um, I Just Called to Say I Love You from the film uh, The Woman in Red. So, okay. Ghostbusters being nominated for best original song is totally fair. Maybe, maybe you think it should have won. Maybe you think it shouldn't, but it being in the conversation makes sense. Oh, for sure. Here's what's not fair. It was also nominated for best visual effects. And if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, go back and watch this movie. It'll blow you. I, I, before I saw that watching it this time, I was like the special effects and the graphics and 
everything in this movie are horrible. They're so <laughs> bad. And it lost it lost to Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. But and I know it was eighty four, so it was a while ago, but if you think of movies like Star Wars, Back to the Future, which is like not even a year later, the special effects are so much better than 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 this one. So Oh yeah, you can tell that twenty five million dollars is not gonna special effects <laughs> during the budget. No. And I did read too that they they I guess they had to rush it towards the end. So that I think there was some <clears throat> there was some stuff that they probably would have polished a little bit more, but I don't think I don't think it would have they would have had to take another year or, or you know yeah. it, they were pretty it was pretty bad it was it was actually su- shocking it was surprisingly bad some of the special effects and what was even weirder was i really liked the stuff that was not graphics like at the beginning of the movie with the books flying and yes. everything like that that stuff was cool yeah now and that aged well i think but then when it whenever it got into like fire and explosions and ghosts giant marshmallow yeah yeah <laughs> they kind of lost me but we'll, we'll get back to that i'm sure um some other things that were going on in the world uh at that time some movie releases for that month so it's a pretty pretty eventful month for movies i think so gremlins came out i think gremlins actually came out the same day which is pretty on the same day God, i, I think so too yeah uh karate kid pretty big one wow muppets take manhattan and then conan the destroyer so that's 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 a solid some, yeah that's a pretty good month, yeah. Outside of film, this is a big one for me. Born in the USA album released by uh, Bruce Springsteen. Love it. Yep. Prince releases Purple Rain. Also love it. The album Purple Rain. Um, so those are two big ones. Another one, Cindy Lauper or had her first number one hit with Time After Time. It's another classic eighty song. Yeah. Sounds great. Celt, this is this is for you, Joe. I know it's, it's maybe too soon, but the Celtics beat uh, LA to win the championship. So, Joe Joe's a big Celtics fan, and he he's dealing with a loss. <laughs> so yeah, this uh, I'm kind of I'm getting used to it now at this point with the Celtics making it to the Eastern Conference Finals just to drop out. But <laughs> yeah, I I think it, I, I'll take the blame for this one because I've said a million times on the podcast how I haven't really watched much Celtics this year. Not not because I didn't want to. I just you know, but. Um, I'm like a very casual Celtics fan and I texted Joe a picture of like my TV screen that night. I was like, I'm finally watching blah, blah, blah. And then like, they lost. I was like, oh, I guess that's, that's my fault. But so I'll take the blame for that one. And then in boxing, Thomas Hearn, Thomas Hearns knocked out Roberto Duran in round two to win the WBC title. So, um, that, that was a big one too. So do you have, um, uh, back of the DVD, just a quick summary of the film? Yeah. So after the members of a team of scientists lose their cushy positions at a university of New York city, they decided to become ghostbusters to wage a high tech battle with the supernatural for money. They stumble upon a gateway to another dimension, a doorway that will release evil upon the city. The ghostbusters must now save New York from complete destruction. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up. I think I, and I think that that, that summary actually, does a good job of uh, it's a good example of what one of the problems I have with the film is that it's pretty rushed. It's pretty, it's like an hour and 40 minutes and that's a lot of stuff to happen in an hour and 40 minutes. But um, the major cast members and, and everything going into the film. So give you an idea of wh- where they were at. So Bill Murray, one of the main stars, he was on SNL from seven, 1977 to 1980. 
He had meatballs in 79, Caddyshack in 80, uh, Stripes in 81, Tootsie in 82, and this in 84. So this is kind of, this is peak Bill Marty, if you will. Um, after this, he actually took a, a lengthy break from acting. Well, it's not really that lengthy, I guess, but he took a break from acting and moved to Paris. And he considered retiring altogether, but then he was cast in Scrooged in 1988, and he came back. And since then, though, Bill Murray of the 90s and the 2000s is more of a is a totally different guy. He 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 does. It seems like he does the films that he wants to do. They're totally different from movies like Caddyshack and and Meatballs and everything like that. But this was coming off SNL. This is Bill Murray on top of the world. Um, same thing with Dan Aykroyd. So another star, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, SNL's first four seasons. So he was on SNL from 75 to 79. Um, then he had uh, 1941, the film 1941 and 79. Blues Brothers, which is one of my favorites. Another one, another film that my, it's not one of my favorites, but it's a, one of my dad's favorites. And I, and I really enjoy that movie. Um, he had that in 1980. Trading Places in 83. This, Ghostbusters in 84. After that, he had, you know, quite a few great outdoors, driving with Daisy, my girl, great movie. Um, and a million other ones. So Harold Ramis, uh, who I think is kind of the unsung hero of this generation. So yes, he's one, he's, he doesn't get enough credit for what he established in the film industry, the film world. He's incredible. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that the people, I think people in the industry, give him all the credit in the world. Like they, I'm sure that people like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Rick Moranis and, and other people in Hollywood would be the first one to tell you that, you know, tell you about his impact. But I think a lot of casual film fans wouldn't, wouldn't, aren't really aware of it. So I know a lot of people that, like I said, that are obsessed with these movies like them, but I think other people should look into it. So besides, Besides starring in films like Ghostbusters and, and Stripes, he was the writer of Animal House and Meatballs. He was the writer and the director on Caddyshack, uh, which is directorial debut. He was the director of National Lampoon's Vacation, the, uh, one of the writers for Ghostbusters, writer, director, and producer in Groundhog Day. And that's just a few of them. He did a little bit of work on TV. He actually directed four episodes of The Office. And his work carried into the 2000s. Like he, he he's he's a comedic genius, and yeah. he doesn't get. I mean, like I said, in the business he does, but I think casual fans don't really give him the the credit that that he deserves. So, and I don't need to tell you how good Kashak is, but that was one of the uh, film scripts we we studied in school because it's such a perfect script. So, like that's still Kashak was. Oh no, I'm really? sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm um, no no no. no. I think I'm Groundhog Day. Yeah, Groundhog Day makes more sense. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Caddyshack funny. I would, I would like to go back and rewatch Caddyshack. I, my dad loves that movie. I remember liking it and I quote Caddyshack way more than I don't really quote Ghostbusters at all, but I I can't go to a driving range and not do the whole, like, Cinderella boy here at Augusta. I love Caddyshack, but Groundhog Day is from my school, two of my classes, we can set that perfect script. So we would yeah. like kind of study that and like the structure of it and so forth. Yeah. That makes, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, do you have anything down for random facts, like kind of behind the scenes stuff? I have a couple. Um, so I knew it was going into the film, but it's just kind of cool to talk about it again. All this film was ad-libbed, 
with almost all of Bill Murray's lines improvised, which is they're all they're all SNL alumni or whatever. So like it's obvious like they are just they're so talented this cast. Yep. yep. And Bill Murray's a weirdo in the best way. Like yes. you, I don't think you can I think if you try to script him too much, you kind of lose the benefit of doing of yep. casting Bill Murray. Right. This fight, I, I thought this fact was pretty cool. Um, on the set, Dan Aykroyd referred to the Slimer ghost as the ghost of John Belushi. Slimer's uh, eating was based on Belushi's cafeteria scene in uh, Animal House. So that was a really, I didn't know that going into this, so that was a kind of a cool little fun fact. That is a cool fact, and it's, it's even more fun, or it's kind of fun and it's nice when you, so this was originally, Aykroyd wrote this, and his plan was it was going to be him and Belushi. So uh, that was that was the initial goal. And then after Belushi died, they paired. And, and the, whole, the movie was totally different when it was going to be him and Belushi. They were kind of going to be doing like a, a time traveling thing where they traveled through time to battle ghosts. And then after Belushi died, they paired up Aykroyd with uh, Harold Ramis to rewrite the film. Like they completely rewrote it, set it in New York City to make it more realistic. Um, and I guess Dan Aykroyd, uh, Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman spent three weeks on Martha's Vineyard to kind of like redo the whole thing because they had to. It was, it's, uh, Reitman said that, um, it's in the DVD commentary, Reitman said that in Aykroyd's original rough draft of the movie, the story was going to take place in the future and teams of Ghostbusters would exist everywhere, like paramedics and firefighters. And that, that's kind of where the, the headquarters being a firehouse comes from. But according to Reitman, that film would have cost like a bajillion dollars and they were like we, we're not going to be able to do that so um one thing that i when i read that a question that i had is if they did that time traveling i don't know where the where they were where the production would have lined up for both films but if they did that time traveling thing do you think that would have impacted back to the future which came out july of 85 and it would be interesting because like back to the future did it so well like their rules for time travel are still like you really can't find loopholes in that like people are still finding ways to defend this like do you think that the people making back to the future would have like pumped the brakes when we did bill and ted we talked about how they were going to do make the guys travel around in a, in a van right but they didn't want to because they were like uh it's a little too close to back to the future so it'd be interesting like if that <laughs> if this film was focused on time travel exclusively like for the most part like if that was like the big focus then maybe not right and then another thing if they made that movie I, I, I'm interested in that movie. Not now. I, I, I think it's too, it's, they have this whole separate thing, but if I almost wish they made that movie, that movie sounds yeah, interesting it's kind of, to me. Again, going back to Bill and Ted, what their original uh, plan was to like reenact famous scenes from like the past to like Titanic and all that. Right. Sometimes, sometimes you read or you hear about what a film was supposed to be and you're like, well, I'm glad they made that change. Cause that sounds stupid. But when I read, <laughs> when I read this one, I was like, that actually might sound better than, than Ghostbusters. But um, do you have any more facts? Uh, Harold Ramis was uh, he only intended to uh, write the film originally, but in the end, he decided to actually play like, his character after he felt he was the best person suited for the role, which he absolutely is. <laughs> so I agree with that. And if you, I had them written down at one point, but I I don't have them right now. But if you look through some of the names that were reportedly tied to to um to that character, uh, it, it's to the character of Egon. There's there's some big names, but there's no one that after seeing the film 
could have done it better than than Harold Ramis, or that that fits it better than Harold Ramis to me. So yeah, he really had like that cool nerdy confidence. <laughs> like I, it's like I still hasn't seen that much in films. Like it's, he's cool, but he's also nerdy, and like you want to be him when you watch this movie. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, do you, so. Other, I, I think I want to say that Michael Keaton, but he might have no. I think Michael Keaton was supposed to be Venkman, Bill Bill uh, Bill Murray's character. Um, that was one of the names, but yeah. So this is the, I don't know if you had this down, but this is the highest grossing, or this was the highest grossing comedy film of all time until Home Alone in 1990. I did not know that. Especially in the 80s where there was, there was so some many. successful, yeah. yeah, there was some good comedies in the 80s. So um, you, do you have anything else, sir? I have a couple of us. What, what do you have? A curiosity. So I don't go through the whole list. Cause I, I did, I really got caught up with this going through this uh, list for this movie. <laughs> the only other thing I have is that, uh, like I said, uh, Michael Keaton was supposed to turn down the role of actually no. So Michael Keaton did, he turned down the role of both Venkman. So Bill Murray's character and Egon uh, and Steve, Steve Gutenberg turned down the role of Venkman to play, to star in police Academy. Oh, thank which, God. I know. Police Academy is a good film, but him playing Bill Murray's role is ridiculous. <laughs> Police Academy is an okay film. It is. It's like you right. You know, you like you go into it for a forgettable dumb comedy, like whereas Ghostbusters is groundbreaking. And Bill Bar- Bill Murray is. There's only one Bill Murray. He's not. Yeah. He's not. If you if you if Bill Murray stars in something and he does it well and it's successful, there's no one else that could have done it because he's such a such a unique actor. But yeah, yeah. That that's all I had. So I'll end up with. Uh, we already kind of talked about it a little bit, but. The schedule for getting the movie into theaters for its release date in the summer of 1984 was so tight that director uh, Reitman said that the final print included incomplete special effects shots and errors like visible wires, but remarkably, people didn't care. And that just goes to show, because the dialogue in this movie is so good, people are just caught up with what's happening, with coming out of the characters' mouths, and it's just, it's, it just goes to show like how good of a movie this is. Right. Do you... Um... Do you have anything written down for stuff that wouldn't fly today? All I had was this movie pretty much could have come out today with no issues whatsoever, with the exception of it being bumped up to PG-13 because there is some cursing here and there that probably wouldn't have passed as PG in 2020, but nothing that think, would offend anyone. I think part of the reason for that is I think the PG-13 rating came out shortly after this. So I think at this point it was G- PG and then you had to go all the way up to R. So I'm not hundred percent sure of that, but I think I, I saw it somewhere, but I agree with you. I, it, yeah, it, actually that's fine. The first movie, the PG 13 rating was red Dawn in August of 1984. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah. So it, exactly. There was stuff that wouldn't fly in a PG movie today. Um, I guess the film was originally supposed to be for an adult audience. Um, and the cast and crew were kind of, surprised that kids loved it so much and in in the next in the in the cartoon spinoff the real ghostbusters and in the sequel ghostbusters 2 they tried to play down a lot of the the more adult elements like i think a lot of the hitting on girls and and the smoking that was one thing we say it every every episode but in today's day and age you don't see smoking as much as you used to and in this film they're pretty much constantly ripping darts so um What's your favorite scene? Um, so it's like this is one of those things. Like this, it's one of those films that has just so many good scenes in the movie. Uh, but I love the ending scene with Ray imagining a giant marshmallow man and then having him come to life. 
Thanos scene is great. And young me, as I mentioned before, young me was obsessed with that scene and older me still loves it. And I look forward to his brief, to the brief appearance every time. But I also really love the beginning before their Ghostbusters. Some of the funniest scenes, in my opinion, come from trying to get started with their business. Um, like when they're getting the, when they get the loan for the house in the beginning and uh, Ray's like, you didn't even try negotiating with me. <laughs> try yeah. negotiating. I'm, I'm playing 90% interest right now. Like, I think that's just like, stuff like that. Like those little, like, little bits of dialogue. I, I wish kind of like went into the action sequence as well. But um, yeah, between the beginning of the movie and then the end scene, those are my two favorites. So I, I had two, I had two as well. But I, th- I think I, I think my favorite scene is the the uh, the first like their first call when the secretary is like we got one, and you know like you said they slide down the fire pole, they go to the hotel, all the way up until so they go to the hotel they almost va- like vaporize or whatever the the housekeeping lady, you're introduced to Slimer, and then I love the scene when they're in like the, like the event hall or whatever it was. And, and Bill Murray, it's just like so random. Bill Murray goes up to the table with like a tablecloth on it. And he's like, they're trying to get something down. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. I've always wanted to do this. And he grabs the tablecloth and tries to pull it out from under the all the silverware and everything like that. Flower face stain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's probably my favorite one. The A second like runner up, I guess, is uh, the montage after they make it big. Like after they, they go from like once the nation becomes, they kind of become celebrities and they have like Larry King and Casey Kasem and they're just rock stars. That's probably my second favorite, but my first one is uh, the first call. So, but I do want to mention again, I'm going to keep bringing this up. The hidden MVP of this movie is Rick Moranis. And the scene when Rick Moranis is like talking about the party that he's going to have, and he's like, Oh, we have like Twister and whatever. And then when he's talking about, the other people in the building and he's just disclosing all their finances and like their <laughs> their mortgage rate and like oh he only owes like this much money and he's got like an eight percent mortgage rate it's so it's it makes sense that i that that cracked me up this time because watching it as a kid you would be like what is he even talking about but rick moranis was by far my favorite for the amount of time he's on screen he he killed it to me. It's great. I love his end at the end of the movie when he, uh, they're walking in the building after they've been saved. He's like, "Can I go in the car with them?" They're like, all the cool people are going in the car, all like the yeah. father. And he's just getting brought to the other direction. So it's like, and he's a perfect like that. Um, it was a good use of because I think Bill Murray, uh, Hal Ramis, uh, Aykroyd, they're all like six foot tall or, or taller, like six one, six two, six three, whatever. And Rick Moranis is 5'4". And it was just a great, not that that's the only reason they picked him, but it's a great use of like, just to juxtapose like these, the hero figures to like the yes. geeky, like it was, it was just And I, so again, it's, it's funny seeing like, we have two, we, have, we can compare like nerdy cool and then nerdy, like not cool. Like Rick Moranis was that uncool nerdy character in the movie, whereas Harold Ramis' character was, incredibly smart and nerdy but also really cool so it's like a, no it's a pretty fine sure. dynamic between the two of them for sure yes and then so i'll let you handle this one but there's one song that everyone knows but do you have any other notes on on the soundtrack <laughs> i put while well, the score is great in the film ray parker <laughs> jr's theme song is pretty much the soundtrack so it's like yeah. it's been redone over and over again it's, it's constantly released on vinyl in different formats still to this day it's records with exclusive so it's like it's still it's still incredibly huge right no i totally agree um so if you could change one thing oh oh you know what well i, was, I just that just made me think of it. 
I read somewhere, I think, and I haven't fact checked this, so if it's wrong, you know, whatever. But I saw somewhere that Huey Lewis was involved or that he was considered to do the soundtrack and to come up with a song and everything like that. Which when you think of Back to the Future, again, coming out of this, it's just crazy to think, I don't know if they passed on him or if he passed on them, but if he passed on them and then, so he turned that down 99 times out of a hundred. If you turn down this movie, you're going to regret it later on in life. But if he turned it down and then did back to the future, the, the song from back to the, the music from back to the future, right after that, you can't even, you're like, Oh, you made the right call, I guess. I mean, I, I guess he could have done both, I guess, but. Right. But like you said before, this, <laughs> this movie was made like I was originally going to with the time traveling thing, back to the future. Like they wouldn't, the crits wouldn't think of like, we don't we want him to do another time travel theme song. So it's like, we might have not, it, it's right. all, be all, it would have all been different possibly. So like, it's, yeah, the coolest uh, thing how history could have changed. <laughs> right, right. So, if you could change one thing, or two things, or three, whatever you want, if you could change stuff about the movie, what would you change? I think it's always great the way it is, but Ernie Hudson seems really tacked on, I thought, but he's great in it regardless. If I had to nitpick a little, I wish the end scene with the state puff marshmallow man was a bit longer. A few scenes with him wrecking a little more havoc in the city would have raised the stakes a little higher, I think. He's only I, I, going into this movie. I thought just like Ernie Hudson, I thought the Marshall Man was in it for a little longer, but he's in it for like five minutes. I think it would have been kind of cool to see like a, almost a whole act kind of structured around the Marshall Man destroying the city. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I guess similar to what you said, but I agree with you on the Ernie Hudson, the Winston character that I, it's tough because when he is in the movie, I, I love him, but I I think that the better choice with if if it is what happened what what I said earlier that Eddie Murphy had to back out for whatever reason I almost wish they just scrapped it because it just seemed like they they shoehorned in this character and then because they because he comes into the movie in the in the middle of it you're kind of waiting for him to have some impact you're like why do they why do they do that like what you know and he really doesn't like and not, not any more than any of the other guys I also think the same thing about Sigourney Weaver's character, Dana Barrett. She, I think they could have spent less time on her. And I, and I wish they spent more time on kind of like the, the Ghostbusters story, uh, their background, uh, or, or that the film started with them as already an established business. Um, but like lo- an established business that hadn't had their big break yet. It felt kind of rushed it jumped around a bit and it, and because of the, the, they were trying to tell too many stories, I think, or whatever. I never really got attached to or invested in any character. Um, so, and then like some minor things that just jumped out to me, but I have an explanation at least for one of them, Bill Murray. So Vankman's character is supposed to be from Brooklyn, but his Chicago or his Illinois accent pops up fairly often. Like when he's like, when he's like, this chick is toast. I'm sure that's a horrible Illinois accent if you're actually from Illinois, but he's he's very clearly not from Brooklyn. But the film was originally meant to be set in Brooklyn, in Chicago, and uh, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis are both from Chicago, so that that kind of explains that, like why they would have picked it. But he should have toned down the Chicago accent a little bit. But um, and then I mentioned earlier the special effects are pretty bad, especially the rooftop scene with like the the, the dogs and and everything like that. The rooftop battle scene made me think of uh, the end of Ninja Turtles 1, Teenage Mutant, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one where they all fight yes. uh, Splinter <laughs> because of how they're like, you go. And like they fight, you know what I mean? But Dude, that movie, still to this day, that is going to make an appearance here, but Shredder is still the scariest villain. <laughs> oh, dude. Such a badass. <laughs> I've seen that. Uh, we've, I, don't, I think we talked about this off the podcast, but I've seen that movie so much that I know the Pizza Hut commercial song. <laughs> <laughs> that used to play on the beginning of the VHS. So if that doesn't explain how many times I've seen that freaking movie, but and how much of an important part of my childhood that was. So all that said, um, if you've listened before, you know, but we rate films on a scale of one to five. Um, would you mind paying a late fee to keep this, this movie? So score of one is you watch it for a couple minutes. You're like, this isn't for me. You turn it off, return it to the video rental store so you don't uh, get a late fee all the way up to a five, which is you love the movie, you'll keep it for an extra day or two, maybe even just buy it from the rental store so you don't have to bring it back. So Joe, it was my pick, so you go first. Scale of one to five, what do you think of Ghostbusters? A five. This movie is a classic for all the right reasons. You said five? A five, yeah. Okay. It's It's got a great cast, great creators, and it's still really funny to this day. The soundtrack is, is still aging with new generations, this movie is just timeless. We talked about in the beginning. It, it spawned a whole brand. And that brand's still really ve- relevant today. So we we look at it now, and it's like it's crazy that this is that can, this came out in 1984, and we're in 2020, still talking about how great this film is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so. This one, this one was hard for me to rate. Honestly, um, it was weird. So. It's not my favorite film from any of the big stars in it. Like it's not my favorite Bill Murray film. It's not my favorite Ackroyd film. So all that said, and we've mentioned the other stuff like special effects and all that stuff for all its flaws, Ghostbusters is so unique and it's that sticks out even more in a year like this, where every movie seems to be like a ripoff or a remake of an, of another movie, including the Ghostbusters movie from a few years ago. Not that I didn't see that movie, I so I, I'm not. I don't know how right, good it is. One, we have a new one coming out now in 2021. So it's right, like... right. So, and even just movies like they remade Point Break, they remade Footloose, they remake whatever. And sometimes it may work, but I'm just so sick of movies like that. So I do give them credit for for doing their own thing. And there wasn't a film before this that you could compare this to. This is definitely its own thing, and it's a bunch of you know, legends kind of finding their footing and everything. If, but I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to. It is a classic. It's a, a legendary movie and everything like that. Um, if it was later in Ackroyd, Murray, Ramis's career, I'd be harder on it, honestly. But like I said, I love that they had a, a weird idea and they went for it. Uh, but this may be my most controversial score yet. I'm giving it a three and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. I, so, I, do you remember Ghostbusters two at all? No, it's like, funny you say that. I, 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 seeing this, I think I'd mixed the two in my head because there was stuff that I kept waiting for it to happen. That now looking back, I'm like, oh, I think that's in Ghostbusters two. But I do, and I have heard from a lot of people that Ghostbusters two is not as, anywhere near as good as the first one. But I, it does kind of make me want to go back and watch Ghostbusters two, and see. I just the thing I didn't. I, the second half of this movie, I really liked. It was just the beginning of it. It was just, it was too much like, too much waiting for stuff to happen. And I wish that it started with them doing 
like calls that were just lower grade calls like oh my grandmother still haunts this house and they go and they take care of it so you just kind of jump into it right away like I casper done with a... yeah <laughs> yeah like a good casper <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. but um but like you said though i think it's the movie like the legacy of the film and the pop culture of it i think it's a weird case where the film's like i don't know marketing culture or whatever you want to say it out it outweighs the actual movie if that makes sense the song the costumes the characters the station wagon people remember that more than they do the actual movie like we talked about earlier and it made me think of um again it all comes back to back to the future for me but that's a credit that's why back to the future is amazing to me is that all of that stuff is true for back to the future with the De- De- delorean and this and that but I also think the film is almost perfect. So, but I, I enjoyed rewatching it, and, and I'm glad that we we did it. And um, the beer, something strange, uh, double IPA from Pontoon Brewing, was delicious, and it was a perfect choice for this this film. And that'll make more sense if you check out our Instagram or our Untapped profile. Instagram's worth the late fee. You'll see the the beer cover. It's it's just it's perfect. So. Um, Follow us on Instagram. Like I said, worth the late Suggestions are always welcome. We're going to be doing some Halloween-themed episodes for the next few weeks. But if you want to send us a, a suggestion, feel free. We'd we love when you guys do that. Um, but next week is Joe's pick. So, Joe, what's the, the next uh, Halloween-themed film that we're going to be talking about? I've been waiting to bring this film up to the podcast forever now. So I'm excited we have a reason to now. We're going to be talking about the 90s classic, The Faculty. <laughs> classics, <laughs> classics a little strong. Watch yourself. <laughs> but it does have, isn't um Dude, it has like, it has like the typical like 90s cast that we have Usher. We have, uh, for sure. <laughs> Elijah for sure. Wood. Yeah. Isn't Jon Stewart in that? You know what he is? He's a teacher, I believe, if I remember correctly. I think he's one of the teachers. Yep. And uh, the kid from, um, Another a film that I love that like it could be the worst film ever. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I want to go back and watch the movie Outside Providence. The kid from Outside Providence, whose name is Sean Hattesey, he was a very '90s actor. He's in that too, I think. So I know I've seen The Faculty, or I think I've seen The Faculty, but if I have, I probably last saw it in 1998 when it came out. So this Dude, is going to be it's, yeah, I haven't seen it in forever, and I don't know if it's on any streaming sites. So if it isn't, let me know. I got the, I got the Blu-ray hookup. The blue All, right. Up, Eric. <laughs> All right. So we'll be back next week uh, with Joe's pick 1998's the faculty. And like I said, like we said earlier, um, once we get these Halloween themed episodes, we'll be back on track with some, some more just standard issue ones. And then uh, before we know it, it'll be Christmas themed episodes. So and I'm more excited for that than anything else. So. And the way that 2020 is going before, you know, that it'll be Christmas again, in 2021. <laughs> and so, yeah. All right. Thank you guys very much for listening and thank you, Joe, for joining me. Yes. Thank you, everyone.